Miyam Notong Dr. Jolie Proudfit, descendant Pachanga Band of Luceno Indians. I'm the daughter of Helen Infante, the granddaughter of Lupi Grijalva, the great-granddaughter of Refugia Agustina Flores, the great-great-granddaughter of Candelaria Flores, the great-great-great-granddaughter of Juana Apish, and the great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter of Pablo Apish, who received uh, a Mexican land grant after the closing of the San Luis Rey Mission, where the Treaty of Temecula was signed at his home. And I tell you this because I want you to see us as California Indian people and our longevity and what we have gone through to still be here today. And that hasn't always been the case. We have been marginalized and forgotten in many ways. On the one hand, if it wasn't for the casinos, we may have still been further marginalized and forgotten. But we're on a new horizon, and there's some very new opportunities happening for us all. And I'm here in the spirit of Frank Lapina to say, make sure that California Indians in this museum, and as we discuss art, are elevated and positioned to their rightful place, which is front and center. So, And to the Lapina family, thank you for the sacrifices that you have all made. And I'm sorry that your loved one isn't here to see this beautiful work and this book come to life. There's so many wonderful things. I'm not your typical artist per se, I'm your artist conduit. I do lots of things to make sure that our art is exhibited, primarily California Indian art. Um, I'm like a chihuahua with a bone. I'm relentless until, uh, we, you know, in, until we have a seat at the table. Um, I do a number of different things aside from being an academic. I'm a three-time CSU tenured professor. I want to give credit to Richard Oakes and to Lanita Boyer, who 50 years ago, had they not as college students taken the rock, we would not have American Indian Studies. I'm 50 years old. I'm the second person to earn tenure in the oldest AIS department in the country. I started my career at San Francisco State. First there was Betty Parent, and then there was me. I'm so glad to see that there are so many after that. And I now teach in my home community on Payunkawicham land, Luceno land, people of the West in San Marcos, which is by Escondido or Lego land for some of you to get a better <laughs> understanding. But there's nothing like teaching and hearing your own language and being able to witness and see the art of our community. And Robert Freeman, who is no longer with us, um, has two pieces of art on our campus. And um, one piece, Tukwit, our mountain lion, um, has inspired so much of the campus to be named um, Tukwit. We have Tukwit leadership circles, Tukwit talks. Um, we have Miu night, which in our language is hello. So when students come back to, to the university um, in the fall, we have Miu night. I mean, that's pretty amazing to have a state university incorporate that, so I'd like to give credit to Robert Freeman for his contribution to our campus um, in that way. And I want to showcase a little um, let's, what, visual sovereignty, to coin your term, which we always give credit um, to you for that term. I love that term, and it means so many things. But for me, it means 
dress, Akhenov scarf, Carl Begay necklace, Alani Goodwill uh, necklace. What else they got on here? Uh, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, Cody Sanderson, Sata, um, Buddy Parchcorn, and my absolute, absolute favorite, and she knows this. She's, she just, I love her. And if I ever feel down and I want to pick myself up or I want to go to battle, I put on my Jamie Okuma earrings. These earrings have uh, seen lots of wonderful things and have participated and um, are carrying memories. And my eight-year-old daughter, Piper Thalpash Proudfit, she will be wearing these one day. So thank you, Jamie. And you'll see her amazing, amazing work. But that is visual sovereignty. Did we ever think that we would have the time where we'd have native designers and jewelry makers that non-native people are spending tens of thousands of dollars to get a hold of, right? That we are in that time, and it's so beautiful. You know, I, I have to pace myself sometimes and slow down a little bit. I'm running out of room in my closet, and I told my husband, I got to get rid of all this colonization clothing and just indigenize the closet. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to indigenize my life. Help me, honey, indigenize my life. So native ladies, you tell your partner. Native men, you tell your partners. Let's indigenize our closets. Thank you, Jamie, for helping us do that. And everybody else. I want to talk to you a little bit about, again, California Indian art um, presence and elevating California Indian voice. It is so critically important. I love our Pueblo potters. I love the Pueblo people so much. If I wasn't a California Indian, I would be a Pueblo. Um, I have an office in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm also a filmmaker and a producer, and I work on TV shows and, and film and, and movies. I got so tired of trying to change policy. I'm a political scientist by training. Vine Deloria Jr. was my mentor and my teacher and on my dissertation committee, and oh, we, should, we used to talk about art all the time in form of bluegrass music, and uh, we just were too too afraid to kind of take that leap, but we love to elevate that voice. I have a TV show out now on Wednesday nights that I want you all to watch. It's called Stumptown on ABC, 10 o'clock at night. We have Tantu Cardinal playing the native woman leader, a tribal leader, a grandmother. She knits. Don't mess with her. She's side-eye, right? But I mean, that's how far we've come, right? With some other projects coming up in the near future, but Hidden beneath the cultural and social service of California is a story of natural abundance, human conflict, pain and suffering, and rebirth. It is the story of California Indians. The California Indian Museum and Cultural Center tells a story because it is the story that just may untie us from the bonds of racism and hatred and may give the children of California and the world an opportunity to appreciate and respect each other. I am a long-term member of the California Board, of California Museum and Cultural Center Board. We are located in Santa Rosa. We originally started in 1996 in the Presidio, and we lost our space when George Lucas decided to buy the entire Presidio for his Star Wars stuff, and then he moved to Southern California. But that didn't stop us, and we were started by the son of Tilly Hardwick. You know who Tilly Hardwick was? She was Panolaville Pomo, the lead plaintiff in reinstating 18 of the terminated tribes. And her son, Joe Myers, and his daughters, Kelly and Nikki, 
had this beautiful idea of creating a museum for us by us. And in 1996, we did that. And I have to say, I was a little surprised in the visual art milestones of this book not to see that. And I'm going to ask you all, I know you have such beautiful work in here, but to consider a reprint as you go to move forward and to make sure that you include that and the story of Tilly Hardwick, because she fought so hard for that land, that land that that art and those willows and those acorns are gathered on. And that is really, really important. So we cannot forget that. The purpose of the California Museum and Cultural Sovereignty Center is to culturally enrich and benefit the people of California and the general public. The goals of the museum and the cultural center are to educate the public about California Indian history and cultures, to showcase California Indian cultures, and to enhance and facilitate these cultures and traditions through educational and cultural activities, to preserve and protect California Indian cultural and intellectual properties. That's why there are three attorneys on the board at any given time. And to develop relationships with other indigenous groups. Our mission is to educate the public about our history, but more importantly, about our present and our future. We're not about storing things and just showcasing things. We're about the four R's. And I want to encourage the uh, Crocker to consider these four R's. We're about responsibility to each other, to community, to land. We're about respect to tribal cultures, to tribal peoples. We're about relationships. And we're about reciprocity. This is such a wonderful event. And I, and I want to thank the museum and the staff and the many hands that went into making this possible. And I know how expensive things can be. And I know what it is to run a nonprofit. I run one. Um, and I sit on many boards. There are empty seats here. There were lots of Native people who wanted to attend today but could not afford it. So I want to ask you patrons and museum lovers for all the beauty that you love that is Native art, and especially if you live in California and you're benefiting from our land, that you give to the Crocker and you match that gift and make sure that California Indians always can participate at every event whenever they want, not one day a year, not during November, Native Heritage Month, but every day. We would not have this land if it was not for our people. So please consider that, and that's reciprocity, relationships, respect, and responsibility. At the California, how many of you have been to the California Indian Culture um, Museum in Santa Rosa? Please come visit us. Please come visit us. We're the only museum of its type that is run by California Indians from around the state. We're not tribally run, we're California Indian run. And um, we welcome anyone to come. We have hundreds and hundreds of teachers coming there every year and thousands of students each year. We do a number of different things. We have um, a, a number of programs. The thing I'm most proud of is our youth ambassadors our investment in our future caretakers, artists, cultural sovereignists. That's where our investment is. 
and they're out. We have a wonderful exhibit opening up today on Native Inc. and our Native women who you see more and more of our Native women who are getting their 111s and their traditional tattoos on their chins um, makes my heart smile and my Noshon um, Lovik means my heart is good. It just, um, so many of my relatives are now um, getting those and they say it feels like they should have always been there. You know, and that is visual sovereignty. It's a representation of we never left. We've always been here. They were just dormant, and now we can express them. So our young people are an expression of that. The museum was developed by the National Indian Justice Center. It's a 100% Indian-owned and operated nonprofit corporation, originally founded in 1983 as a resource for tribal courts. The National Injustice Center has steadily expanded its mission and is now known as a major force in improving the quality of life and the quality of justice in Indian country. So you see, art cannot be separated from sovereignty, not cultural sovereignty, not political sovereignty, and not economic sovereignty. Art is everywhere. It is, a, um, it is embedded in all of us as Native people. It's a celebration of who we are. We might do it in a different format, whether it's jewelry or fashion or pottery or film, but it's an expression and extension of our identity. It's how you know that we're still here. It's political. And I want to challenge you all as art lovers to think about the challenges that we face um, as Native peoples in representation, because that is the area that I focus much of my time, is visual representation, making sure that we're seen, heard, in an authentic, honest way with our own voice. Some of these murals that are out there and statues that are out there are not representative of who we are. And I think of the George Washington High School in the Bay Area in San Francisco in the Sunset District. And I think of the families that have fought to take down those horrific murals. And they went through all of the wonderful channels in the process of doing that. And they got a 100% school board vote to take those racist murals down. The ones with, you know, I'll meet you at the dead Indian comment. At a public high school, there should not be those types of images. And they did everything right, and they had hearings, and they had scholars on both sides, only to be attacked publicly around the country, primarily by liberals, to tell us, how dare we, how dare we mess with art? How dare we say, ouch, it hurts? We're still, as Native people, the only population that when we say, ouch, that hurts, it's offensive, we have to explain why and defend tooth and nail. We should not be standing alone in this effort. I want to be in a time where we are putting up art, not taking it down. We have a governor that just apologized for the genocide. Now comes the real opportunity. Let's invest in murals celebrating the culture and the beauty of California Indians up and down the state, and not to exclude and forget those that are called the unfairly recognized tribes. Three Indian agents were sent here in the, late eight, in the mid 1800s to negotiate with nearly 200 tribes. 
and they didn't get around to everybody through no fault of their own, should they not be, they should not be excluded from any of the opportunities coming their way, and especially in the celebration of art. So as we move forward and we celebrate the beauty of what's in this museum and all of the opportunities to come, I beg of you to make sure that we don't have to fight alone, that we don't exclude any of the California indigenous voices, and that you not only provide us a seat at the table, but make sure that we're sitting at the head of the table. Nashan Lovik, my heart is good.